0: Um, I've got some good news and some somber news and some bad news before I bring you the word. Okay. I, I think sometimes it's important for you to hear, um, where your pastor stands on certain things. So this introduction is going to be my opinion, my humble opinion. When I start the sermon, it'll be God's word. It won't be my opinion. It'll be God's word. So I just want to make sure I differentiate that, okay? All right. Well, the good news is, and Madeline stole a little bit of my thunder, I wanted to tell you that we had such a great time at Kermish yesterday out in the grass, having, I think I'm still full, actually, from yesterday's food. And it was just so great to see so many people and to talk to them and to just mingle. It was it was a great time, and it went for a worthy cause, so I think it was just, it was just fun. And uh, for those of you that came, you know how much fun it was. For those of you who didn't, you can come next year, okay? And then some somber news. Uh, hopefully yesterday, it took a moment, just a brief time to remember 9-11-2001. It's amazing to me that actually 20 years ago. In so many ways, it seems like it was just yesterday. I remember where I was. I was at Hope Christian School, and I was actually in the middle of a class. And our librarian, the library at that time, was right next to my office, walked in. She said, turn on the TV. Something is happening. And we proceeded to watch the second plane crash into... The second Twin Tower. And for the next two hours, we evacuated Hope Christian School. We got every student off campus because they were so close to the FAA. And it worked like clockwork. It was amazing how we were able to get 2,000 kids off so quickly. It was amazing. And then I spent the rest of the day in front of the TV, weeping, crying, in shock and that was 20 years ago there are some of you in this room that weren't weren't around at that time you have no idea what it was i remember as a young man people talked about kennedy's assassination and that happened the year before i was born so i was aware of it but it just didn't have the impact that it did maybe reagan's assass- attempted assassination played an impact in my life. But I hope that you took a moment of silence to remember what happened. I was flipping through the channels yesterday, and I'm not a big tennis watcher, as you guys know, I love baseball. But the U.S. Open was on, and at Arthur Ashe Stadium, I don't even know the name of the lady that sang the Star Spangled Banner at the beginning she did an incredible job and i found myself crying again at the national anthem it was it was solemn and i hope that we never forget that but as she finished it the land of the free and the home of the brave a thought came to my mind Are we really the land of the free and the home of the brave anymore? Or are we not the land of the presidential edict or mandate a home of the scared? Now this may offend you but again this is my opinion. Because this week we had a president who made an edict from the Oval Office. Now I don't know how you feel about mandated vaccinations. You can say, well, you know, you're against it because you're against vaccination. I'm not against vaccination. I'm absolutely very pro-vaccination. You know why I am? Because many of our congregation got vaccinated and felt comfortable to come back and be part of a fellowship that needed to be in fellowship. So I'm all about vaccination. I'm not against vaccination. What I am against is a law being enacted from the Oval Office rather than the legislature. We are coming to a point in time when our Congress is so afraid to make any kind of decision that a president feels like he wants to get things, does it by edict, by mandate. And that is not in our Constitution. That's not how it was formed. You see, because our founding fathers knew because they were biblically literate that were fallen in nature and they weren't going to allow one man to dictate what happened in this country the first three words of our constitution is we the people and so it's a very dangerous precedent that we see we've we've seen this last few presidents have just been doing these Official orders, official executive orders, that's not how it works, it's not how it's supposed to work, in my humble estimation. We needed to be argued in Congress about whether vaccinations need to be mandated or not, not ruled from the White House. And why is that important as a church? Why am I telling you that? Because what could happen? What happens if we have someone in the White House who decides that Christianity is, should be illegal? Don't think that could happen? It could absolutely happen. So I fear for my country. And i broken heart about it. Had to get that off my chest. Did you read Proverbs this week? Now's my sermon. <laughs> did you read Proverbs this week? Did you, did you, were you uh, jumping on it, reading it, doing all this stuff? I did. I was loving it. And you know, one of the things that just really stood out to me, man, there's a lot of about adultery. Huh. Man, I just kept getting hammered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, let's talk about something else. You know, and it's interesting to look at, in the first nine chapters of Proverbs, this is the part where Solomon is telling his son or sons how they should live. He talks about wisdom, he talks about the fear of God, he talks about folly, he talks about other things, but then he talks about adultery. And for three stinking, not stinking, but three (laughs) chapters, he talks about adultery, so if there's nine chapters, a whole third of Solomon talking to his sons is about adultery. Huh, no one ever talks about adultery anymore, hardly. I mean, that's... That's crazy. Wait, I'm not sure how much is devoted... In certain areas of sin that God enumerates, I think probably number one is false gods, right? Following idols. But I think adultery is a good second. And when you look at Solomon, it's like, why is there so much about adultery when Solomon is talking to his sons? Well, let's think about that. First part is, who is Solomon's mom and dad? We know that Solomon's dad was David. We know that Solomon's mom was Bathsheba. David and Bathsheba. Does that ring a bell with anybody? (laughs) So, is this playing along in Solomon's mind? Always that, wait a minute. Mom and dad got together sort of wrongly. And it cost the life of my older son older brother and so what he is trying to do because he would seen the devastation of what had happened within the kingdom he was encouraging his sons to not do it now we have no indication that Solomon ever committed adultery why? because he married all of them that's why 600 of them. Good Lord. I have a tough enough with one. <laughs> and so the idea that, that Solomon's trying to stress is adultery is wrong. Guess what? Adultery is still wrong. I don't care about the sexual revolution. Why is it wrong? Because I think there's a bigger thing to think about when it comes to adultery. Listen, outside of the relationship that the creator of the universe wants to have with us, God and man, there is a second just as deep relationship, wait, sacred That God ordained, and that's marriage between a man and a woman. And that sacredness is based upon, here's a word, commitment. The reason why we have weddings, the reason why we stand before justice of the peace, a pastor... And a lot of times before God is because you are making a commitment to God and to the other person I will stick it out with you till death do us part. And to this, most of the time people are like, well, I will be your spouse until you hack me off. Or until you do something that I don't want you to do or I don't feel like I love you anymore it's all based on feelings right listen the beauty of Barb and I's relationship listen I still find her absolutely beautiful but there are times I don't want to be married to her <laughs> no, that's not funny there are times I don't want to be married to her Maybe it's because she holds me accountable at times and I don't want to be held accountable. Maybe she wants me to do the dishes when I really don't want to do the dishes. But you know what? I made a commitment before God and Barbara that I would stick it out and that I would stay married to her. Listen, some of you may, may not know my, my testimony, but for the first six or seven years of our marriage, I lived like a single man. And I committed adultery. And you know what? Barb had every right to leave me. Multiple times. But she stuck it out. Do you know why she stuck it out? Because her and I, when we first got married, said, we were both children of divorce. We said, we are going to stay married. And while we were estranged and trying to figure out the whole divorce thing and stuff, we went to dinner. And I looked at her across the table and I said, you know, I know. I've screwed up. And I know you have every right to leave me. But let's stay married. And she said, okay. No, she did. Because she had agreed to God that she would stay married. So it was an easy choice for her. And we struggled. And we fought. And we were on again, off again. And finally we just... Someone talked us into going to a marriage conference. Marriage conference. Like they could tell me anything. Oh my gosh. It was absolutely amazing. And I slowly learned how to love my wife. How to make her important in my life. The priorities of putting God first and my spouse second. Revolution. Now she is my very best friend. I mean, I I can look you straight in the face. I am not lying. We have an incredible relation. And if we had decided to go, well, we just don't feel like being together, we would have missed what we have now. And I wouldn't trade that for the world. Nothing. But why is Solomon hitting on this so much? Well, let's start with Jesus. You know, they asked Jesus, What's the greatest commandment? Let's read in Matthew. Matthew twenty-two, thirty-five through thirty-nine. One of them, an expert in the law, Tested him with his te- with his question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This was absolutely astounding. They were trying to test Jesus. And he came up with... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And he forever linked them together. Listen, one of my things that I say in marriage ceremonies is I quote this. And I said to every couple. You want to love God? You need to love your neighbor. And guess what? Your wife or your husband is your first neighbor. That's where the rubber meets the road. What do you mean where the rubber meets the road? Well, let's go to the Apostle John in his first epistle. He says, 1 John 4, and 20, 21. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. Listen, marriage is a lifetime commitment. We stay committed regardless how we feel, regardless of the situation, and we find ourselves etc. We cannot stay committed to the sacredness of marriage if we have not committed originally. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you draw your line in the sand. For those of you young couples who are thinking about getting married. You need to say, regardless of the situation where I'm going to stay married. If you wait for situational decisions, that's going to come back to haunt you. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to already have made that decision before you have to make that decision. And this is what Solomon is stressing to his sons. So let's dive into Proverbs chapter 5. And this is Solomon talking to his sons. He said, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. And her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you lose your honor to others. And your dignity to the one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. At the end of your life you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. And you will say, oh how I hated discipline. How my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers and turn my ear to my instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. Drink water from your own cistern running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares? Let them be yours alone, never be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breath satisfy you. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensure them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die. Led astray by their own great folly. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of your words. This is something that Solomon says, this is going to affect your whole life, not just with the commitment in marriage, but in everything. If you will not be committed to the sacredness of marriage, why will you be committed to anything? And you need to be committed to things. You need to be willing to let your yes be yes and your no be no, is what Jesus says. And that will affect all the areas of your life. So there is sacredness within our church. Just like I said earlier, we you know why I, I shared my opinion, but you know what? The beauty of our restoration movement church is the fact that there are a few things that are sacred to us. And that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That he is the only way. Right? But in other areas, we can have the freedom to have disagreements about it. And to get along with each other. I don't agree with everything that Jeremy thinks. But it doesn't mean we, can dis- we have to disfellowship because we are united in Christ do you, under, do you understand we and if we, the sacredness of relationship with god the sacredness in marriage those are two huge sacred things now i violated it but you know what because god forgave my wife she also forgave me. She showed me what forgiveness was all about. Changed my world. And I have been spending the rest of my life trying to make up for that. For my wife's willingness to forgive and to move forward. So, I don't know where you are in your relationships, but you can move forward. But you've got to be involved in commitment. So what Solomon does in chapter five is he lays out the law. This is what you need to do. But then in chapter six, in the back end of chapter six, Solomon lays out for his son the cost. For this, this is uh, six twenty-three and twenty-nine through twenty-nine. For this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light and correction and instruction are the way to life. Keeping you from your neighbor's wife, from the smooth talk of a wayward woman. Do not lust in your heart after her beauty. Let her captivate you with her eyes. For a prostitute can be had for a loaf of bread. But another man's wife prays on your very life. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Solomon is telling his sons, you need to count the cost before you act. There will be consequences. A moment of passion has its consequences. The passion was designed by God between a man and a woman. And that's unashamedly. But anything else is wrong. Maybe you've never heard that before because we sort of like soft touch about sin. That is sin. And it will break you and it will hurt you. Don't do it. He's telling them to count the cost. Last, last uh, year, Sam and I and a few others read a book by Dr. Henry Cloud talking about the nine things you simply must do. One of the chapters of the nine things you need to do, he says, play the movie, right? And the idea is, any decision you make, that decision will have consequences, that will have reaction, that will have choices, okay? Okay? Should I eat that 77th buffalo wing at B dubs? And I'm going to get large, er, <laughs> and maybe I won't exercise as much, and then I could get heart problems, and then maybe I would die early. Quicker than. You know, Barb and I have always talked about maybe growing old together. Well, some of the choices that I've made in my life, and now I need to play the movie out. So maybe I don't drink that 12-pack of Budweiser. Maybe I don't decide to drive around without a seatbelt. I mean, everything has choices. And there are consequences to those choices. We need to be accountable with those choices. So we need to play the movie. And what Solomon is doing is he is telling his sons, count the cost and play the movie. How it was. If you play the movie, even though you're not there at the end of the movie yet, you can see how it's going, how it's going to get there. I start hanging around... Other women that I'm attracted to on a regular basis and not spend time with my wife. It's only a matter of time before I will do something stupid. And I'm a pastor. Because I know I'm broken. And so I need to have the time, the important relational sacredness with my wife and no one else. No offense. I love you all, but she's number two. You know what I mean? I've got to count the cost. I've got to play the movie. I've got to understand that I need to guard my heart. Guard the sacredness of the decisions and the commitments that I have made. Got it? And listen, that comes with not just adultery, but with everything in your life. You need to draw that line in the sand. Things you will do, things you won't do. Because if you wait to make that decision when it happens, unless you've already made the decision, you could do it wrong. Well, Pastor Mark, how do I know what decision would be right? Holly Bibble. God has outlined for us decisions we must make that maybe we haven't made yet, but we're going to have to make them sometimes. And make That decision before it happens. Last year, I was really faced with a decision that if I hadn't made that decision, I might not have made it right. Because of my reading of Scripture, I believe that marriage is between one man, one woman. I was actually asked to perform a same-sex marriage last year. But because I already made that decision that I would not do that. very Nice guys. Great acquaintances, nice people. But I personally could not do that because I would be in violation with what my stance because of my relationship with God, and I had to decline. Because if I was to do it, that would be sin for me, because I know God's word. Got it? Just an example here. All right. So I know we had some hard things to say about things, but listen, in all areas of life, and if it begins, if you're married, it begins with God and then it second. Your neighbor, your closest neighbor, your wife, or your husband. Start today. Make that commitment. Yeah, we've screwed it up. Yeah, we've done it a thousand times wrong. But we are going to go according to the scriptures, according to Proverbs, and we're going to step out today. Barb, I recommit to you right now. No woman but you. Because you're it, baby. (laughs) won't you stand if you can if you can't stay seated it's fine we're going to pray Father God you have asked us to give your name a good name you have asked us to love you And by loving you, we must keep your commandments. Father God, help us to do that. Help us to know your word well enough that we know the decision to make before we have to make it. Help us, Lord, to count the cost and to play the movie. Father God, at the end of our lives, Whether that be today, or whether that be a long time from now. I want each and every person within the sound of my voice to hear the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. May that be our destiny. May we be faithful to you, And faithful to the ones we love. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.